The Santa Claus is a mid-90s Christmas film starring Tim Allen, who must take over the role of Santa when the previous one falls to his death. This is one from our childhood, so let's see if that magic is still there. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by David. What happens if he falls off the roof? This is a movie podcast. We work our way through franchises or movie themes, you know, batches of movies by a certain actor or director or whatever. Uh, but this is our, our December season, so we're doing a Christmas trilogy. Uh, we're doing the Santa Claus trilogy. So this episode is yes. going to be all about the Santa Claus from 1994. Which, honestly, that threw me for a loop, finding out that this was made in 94. Yeah. I feel like this was a... I, I don't know, in my head it was always a late 90s concoction. Yeah, I thought it was later as well, because I, uh, I I feel like... It, I want to say I feel like I remember it coming out, but I don't remember it coming out when I was that young. I remember it mm. coming out maybe like in 97, 98 sort of time, but apparently, uh, you know... Yeah, is what it is. I mean, I think it was probably just because of the massive gap until the second one because the second one was like 2002 so yeah and then the third, that's probably what the third we all just associated it as just like oh yeah you know there's santa claus one probably came out like two three years before santa claus two yeah and then the third one's like 2010 or something stupid like that yeah uh yeah wild uh i've never seen the sequels i've only ever seen the first film i saw it a bunch when i was very young but mm. uh I, I doubt i've seen it since i was like, I may have seen it when I was double digits a, a little bit, like maybe 11, 12, but I definitely haven't seen it since then. I saw the first one probably only once or twice when I was young. And then the second one, it's just one of those movies that you seemingly keep on finding on over and over and over again. So that one's burned into my retinas. I've got that one on lock. This one was a little bit of a, oh yeah, that's a thing that happens. Hmm. Well... I've never seen the second one, so it'll be, it'll be surprising, to, or not surprising, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how our opinions differ on that mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're revisiting it for the millionth <laughs> I'm time. I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying <laughs> I've, I've seen it. You sound like you're a big fan, I don't know, you've watched that a million yeah. times. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, we'll start spoiler-free, as we typically do. Um, although I suspect no one's that fussed about spoilers for this family kids Christmas movie starring Tim Allen uh, that... You, you've probably seen if you haven't you probably don't care but that's okay mm. uh it just this is you know a very different franchise to dirty harry wanted to make it clear that we do different types of movies uh yes. and next year we're doing a lot of action franchises because there's a lot of new entries in franchises coming out so we've got a reason to mm-hmm. work through certain franchises so this is something yeah. a little bit different uh family comedy christmas festive time all that stuff uh so we'll get into it. so yeah i think was this being 1994 means that it's actually quite it's a lot earlier on in the home improvement run than i think yes. i expected as well that's that's the key thing about that and i looked at the director here uh john pasquin and i looked mm-hmm. him up and he does a lot of comedy sitcoms and stuff like that he's not done anything for a few years but he was doing a lot of tv shows up until he seemed to maybe retire or whatever but notably right. he did 39 episodes of home improvement and directed jungle to jungle which is another tim allen movie so it seems like he's just someone who works closely with Tim Allen, and that's why he's got this yeah. job. I mean, it's entirely possible. Hard to say. Well, I know that um, 
one of the trivia bits I read was that the role was actually written with Bill Murray in mind, and then Murray passed on it. So I don't know how early on in the process the director came in, but mm, that's, that's interesting. I it's hard not to be disappointed that it could have been Bill Murray and not Tim yeah, Allen. That's right. That being said, I think once Tim Allen takes on the role of Santa Claus, I think he looks the part a lot better mm. than I think I could possibly imagine Bill Murray looking the part. Ah, you give him the white beard and hair, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's 95% of it, but just that, just that spark. Just the spark caused by being an ex-felon with a yeah. whole lot of drugs in your system. I wonder if... Uh... I wonder if Bill Murray in part passed on it because he'd already done Scrooge and maybe he felt like, oh, I've already done a Christmas movie. This is maybe too... The the trivia I saw said that he passed due to him not feeling the humor was his style, but okay. whatever that means. One other thing uh, just to note is that in mentioning that this is in his home improvement days, uh, there was one single week apparently in 1994 where Tim Allen... Had this film as number one at the box office, Home Improvement was the number one television show or sitcom, maybe. And uh, he also had the number one bestseller on the New York Times list because he wrote a book at that period. So there was a brief week in there where Tim Allen ruled the world. <laughs> Tim Allen was uh, having a good good 1994, I suppose. Yep. Uh, that's kind of wild. So, yeah, it's just funny because I think, you know, I watched Home Improvement when I was younger. It was on TV mm -hmm. a lot, so I saw quite a bit of it. Uh, it's not a sitcom that I've ever felt the need to go back because, you know, there's other sitcoms that I watched a lot of episodes of that I liked enough that I went back and watched the entire thing of in order. You know, I went back and watched right. all of Cheers and all of Frasier. I've never felt the desire to do that with Home Improvement. Yeah, Home Improvement for me, like, I have just the vagueness in my head of, like, he has that TV show and then, you know, the family sitcom stuff there's only like one or two specific moments from the show that i'm like oh yeah that came from home improvement mm. yeah yeah everyone remembers the you know wilson with the fence you mm. never see his face that's the main thing most people remember uh yeah. maybe uh the tool girl because she was hot <laughs> see you say that but you just call her the tool girl so i know she had a name I have no idea what well, it was. Well, what's interesting but I know she had is I, I didn't remember this, or maybe I never knew this, but it was actually originally Pamela Anderson, and then it changed to the one that everyone knows because she stayed till the end of the show. Uh, Fair enough. I want to say her name is Tiffany. She's got me. No idea. Maybe Heidi. It would make sense that it starts with a T. Yeah. The only mo <laughs> the only moment from Home Improvement that I definitely remember is I think it was either the oldest son or Jonathan Taylor Thomas who it was the. It was the drugs episode, the very special episode. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I remember it is because Tim and his wife sit down at one point and they're just like, I mean, we should punish him, right? And in a very forward thinking, I feel like for the time, the wife was like, well, I mean, we did crazy stuff when we were in college. I was like, wow, they just straight up are admitting to that on like basically just a family show <clears throat> or it's just like, nah, parents did drugs too. I mean, I was like, that always, that always struck me as like, very strangely forward for the time which is interesting because home improvement out of like all the 90s sitcoms you can watch is probably one of the ones that's dated the worst because it oh, yeah. even even in the 90s uh, barring the odd moment like that it was the more set in its ways like traditional old school sitcom uh mm -hmm. you know like you know tim allen like he's a very known uh, conservative in terms of his politics and you know he's yeah. you know and all that and um i've not watched any of his current show or the show maybe it's ended now but it was just on recently uh yeah. but like i've heard like and seen snippets of it where 
his politics are a lot more baked into it, where he'll just straight up make fun of like uh like uh democratic politicians mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it'll just be baked out of the dialogue so it's like now it's like just full on and i think it got moved to fox at one point and it was like okay it feels like the home <laughs> is right for it sure but uh i think there's like it's more it's more subtle in home improvement but i think if you go back and watch it you do sort of see how like some of his maybe world views were sort of seeped in there he didn't have complete creative control but you can definitely see right. how some of it's just sort of under the surface a little bit um mm-hmm. So, no, I'm, this is not really that relevant to this movie. I don't really think this movie has a lot of politics in it. But No, you say that, but like when it comes down to home improvement, you can definitely feel the fact that home improvement was going on in this character. Oh, sure. Because, no. like, he, he, it's he, just the same thing. He does the grunt at one point yeah. in this, uh, you know, that he always did in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, obviously, it's maybe just Tim, ha- Tim Allen's humor and his delivery. Yeah. But there's a lot of like little lines in this that I didn't think were very funny, but they felt like home improvement jokes. Just oh, the, yeah. the way he said Absolutely. them, the way he sniped things back at people or whatever. I mean, not to get too much into it, but it felt like the entire first half of the movie was just Tim Allen's like stand-up set. Yeah. Like all the little one-liners, they barely related to the plot at all, but they were just like, hey, isn't that just so funny because Tim Allen's funny. The one that stuck out to me is that, uh, so in, in the movie, he's separated from his wife and obviously he's seen mm-hmm. his son at Christmas and that's a big part of the plot, but uh, his new, t- or his his ex-wife's new husband or boyfriend is Judge Reinhold. So he's in the movie, uh, yes. which I completely forgot he was in this. I was like, oh, Judge <laughs> Reinhold's here. Um, and he's a therapist, he's a psychiatrist. And there's a running yep. thing where Tim Allen keeps saying, he's not a doctor, he's a psychiatrist. And I'm like, how is that not even dated by 1994, that opinion? That is so <laughs> absurd, this this running... Th- and I know he's just being petty because he's, like, jealous yeah. or whatever, but it's just, like, nothing about that is amusing. <laughs> nothing about it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't, um, I don't think any of the jokes really felt dated to me so much as they just felt like... Again, it just felt like Tim Allen's stand-up. Like, watching it through, it felt like there were probably seven or eight different takes because they didn't like each time tim was like uh, trying a different line mm. the one that stuck out to me was um at one point they get into santa's sleigh and they're going down just a road and he pulls up next to a guy and asks him like oh if we take this down the i-94 we get back on the freeway and then they drive away and i was like that feels like the kind of thing that wasn't written in the script but they just did a bunch of different takes of and took the best. Yeah, one. and this was you know this was just a green screen shot, so they just had them in front mm-hmm. of a green screen, just doing it over and over again, and they could right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I guess like whether or not you're going to be into this in any level, other than maybe the childlike you know quality of the Christmas stuff, is probably yeah. do you like Tim Allen's jokes and his delivery of comedy? Now I'm a big fan of Galaxy Quest, but Galaxy mm-hmm. Quest is a little bit different to this and Home Improvement in that. I don't really feel like when I'm watching that, it doesn't feel like Tim Allen. I mean, I'm sure he had some power like behind the scenes because he's, he's a big enough star, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel like his comedy. It feels like it's a really strong concept with a really strong script that he just happens yeah. to be playing the character. And as opposed to here, it feels like he's doing Tim Allen in a Christmas movie, which, you know, yeah. if you like Tim Allen, you'll be down with that. If you don't, you know, whatever. The premise of the film, though, just to sort of get it out of the way before we give our yeah. more general thoughts, uh, is... So Tim Allen, he's playing this guy who works at a toy company. Like I say, he's separated from his wife. His son's staying with him over Christmas Eve. And it all goes a little bit wrong. And things look like what you plan. 
But that night when they're asleep, they hear some noises on the roof. Santa Claus is there, and Tim Allen, when he shouts up to him, accidentally makes Santa fall off the roof and die. And because he picks up the suit and puts it on, he effectively takes the job as a new Santa Claus. So we get the story kind of takes place over two Christmases, where the first Christmas is kind of him just he's still Tim Allen, and he's but he's sort of like begrudgingly just getting like taken by the magic of the sleigh and the 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 mm-hmm. sack of toys and stuff. Uh, and then over the year, there's kind of like a a story of like how he's really becoming proper Santa Claus for next time. Some like if this were done with different music and atmosphere and stuff like that, this would be a fully Kafka tale of a man <laughs> slowly transforming against his will. Oh, it could be a complete horror movie if you, if you wanted yeah. it to be. Uh, like you absolutely could turn it into that. Um, so yeah, obviously the the son's kind of the second main character, and then you've got mm-hmm. the Judge Reinhold and the ex-wife as as recurring character. Peter Boyle, uh, speaking of sitcom actors, you know he's quite good in Everybody Loves Raymond, which is not a, yep. not as beloved as a sitcom, but I really like him and the brother on that show. I think they're really funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, he's in there in a small role. Uh, is there anyone else in here that's notable? I mean, notable in terms of name, possibly, but honestly, no roles out big outside those main four and then the head elf character. Oh, yeah, the head elf, uh, that actor, he uh, was on the deuce on HBO Mm. uh, in the last few years. So he's he's, he's done okay (laughs) still. Uh, He's obviously a a teenager in this, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's the basic premise. Uh, So I guess I'll just, I'll ask uh, the question. Uh, David, uh, what do you make of the Santa Claus? Actually, one little tidbit that's just in general before I do like you answer that is that yes. this movie is responsible for me like misspelling Santa Claus for decades <laughs> because it wasn't until the last couple of years that I realized that Claus doesn't actually have an E at the end of it when you're saying Santa Claus. But because this movie is making really? the pun, it's the Santa Claus, it has the E at the end. And it's I, it's like it's like the Beatles. How the bug is E E T, yes, and the band is E A T, and it just messes up everybody. Yes, so I I, I was spelling Santa Claus wrong. Every time I had a reason to spell it, I was doing it wrong for years and years, and then wow. realized, oh, it's not spelled like a clause in a contract; it's spelled without the E. Anyway, I thought I thought I might have remembered it. David, what, no, do, you, what do you make of the movie? <laughs> um. Okay, so humor-wise, I think that yeah, it feels a little bit. Of the time, it feels mm-hmm. like the sort of thing of, you know, you're watching Home Improvement, and you're like, oh, hey, Tim Allen's in a movie? Let's go watch that this Christmas. And then it's just the same. However, a lot of time and a lot of focus in the movie is given to Charlie, which is Scott Calvin, Tim Allen's character's son. And it's just played so innocently, and it's played so just genuinely the whole way through that... I honestly can't fault this movie for just, like you said, that childlike wonder of Christmas sort of feeling. So did I enjoy this movie? In the whole, I'd say yes. I think that this is a, maybe not a quintessential Christmas movie, but it is definitely one that if it gets put on or if it's in the rotation of like a family tradition, I fully get it. Yeah. And I think we were at the age where we were kids growing up in the 90s, so... Mm-hmm. You know, we naturally might have an attachment to this. I don't think I ever did as much as I did to say, you know, like Home Alone was the was the main movie. That was the one that was like the Christmas right. movie. And then I was a weird kid, so it was Die Hard was the, <laughs> was the next one. But but you know, like there was you know, there's a, there's a whole selection of Christmas movies that are that are more kid focused. And I 
I think this one was always kind of in the middle tier, where I definitely watched it. It was a Christmas movie that came out in my childhood, so I definitely watched it. But hmm. it wasn't as uh, strong, strong meant as much to me as some of the other ones. Um, watching it now, it's kind of a, a weird mix mixture of feelings, because I kind of agree that it's very genuine. It plays it very earnestly, um, arguably to a fault, because there's like, there's a lot of things that don't make sense in this world if Santa does exist. Like, oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. This is this is the movie that you can easily point to anytime you have that criticism of like, if Santa really exists, why don't the parents believe in it? Because somebody has to be leaving the presents. Yes. Yeah, so like, where do they think these presents are coming? Like, did they magically just think they bought them? Like, does Santa just yeah. like, you know, warp their minds to think, oh, we bought we bought those presents for the kids. Oh well. Yeah, the the logic of this movie is absolutely not sound. That being said, there's an entire scene, maybe about a third of the way through the movie, that just straight up like pokes at that. They say sure. like, oh hey, this doesn't make any sense. And the kid's like, so what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny in a weird way, because like I feel like this movie's like screw it, just enjoy it, and it's, you know, it's, it, you'll be a, you know get into the Christmas spirit and have fun with it, which is fine. Mm. But it's kind of weird that there's so much talk in this movie about like the adults not believing in Santa and when did you like first like realize or like stop mm. believing in him? That I'm like you can't really show this to a super young kid because they're not ready to hear these conversations. This this will muddy the waters for them, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, you say that, but at the same point. By the end of it, it earnestly comes out. It's like, no, all the adults are wrong. Like it's true, true. Yeah, it, it only muddies it if you only watch like the first act. As soon as it gets past that, it's like, yeah, no, he's real. It, no, it was around it because there's a, there's a point later on. I think it's actually near the end of act two where uh, Judge Reinhold and the ex-wife are like talking about when they stop believing, and mm. it was that conversation. Like this is like a. Funnily enough, Judge Reinhold was also in Gremlins, which is the movie I'm about to reference. But you know, <laughs> Gremlins has that famous speech where Phoebe Case is like, "This is how I learned Santa wasn't real." And it's this horrific story of her father dying in the chimney. Um, uh, and somehow like, I knew that would be brought up here. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, funnily enough, uh, and then not only that connection, but Judge Reinhold and Phoebe Case were like a thing for at least some time. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Or they're at least they're at least in the the Diller famous movie together, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm. But I, I, anyway, regardless, uh, like it was when they were having that conversation where I was thinking, yeah, you could like, I feel like this is a weird thing where this is a perfect movie aimed at kids who are maybe growing out of Santa, but this movie's saying it's okay to still like have fun and like, you know, accept the magic of it, even though, you know, deep down, it's not yeah. really real. Just, just go with and it. By the way, to any kids watching this, uh, why? And then second off, Santa's real. Peter, he's, he was naughty. And he got <laughs> cold. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure there's no kids watching. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, as the Santa Claus, maybe some kids have stumbled onto this yeah. <laughs> particular episode. So, yeah, I mean, the comedy though, I, I do, th- I do find it kind of weird. Like, I, I have to assume that if I tried to watch Home Improvement now, I probably wouldn't enjoy it that much. And I think part of it's because. Tim Allen kind of has this uh, attitude when he's like making fun of someone that he doesn't like. They just mm-hmm. is kind of unlikable to me. Um, I mean, you say that, but I I thought that half the lines coming out of those were just very witty banter. Like I I I not all of them landed obviously, but I think that most of them enough. Where it was also a line of uh, Judge Reinhold. He plays the character of Neil, and mm-hmm. that is the stepfather esque character. 
because of what we know as the audience of Santa Claus is real and Charlie is stating the truth, he comes off as just the worst sort of like gaslighting character where he's like, no, you're wrong, Charlie. None of that was real. Like, I don't think he's supposed to be likable, really, throughout the whole movie. Which is kind of weird, because in the real world, he's right. <laughs> Unless you're a kid, in which case he's right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the whole, like, when he's, like, th thinking Tim Allen needs, like, uh, professional help, and he gives him his card and stuff mm -hmm. like that, I'm like, yeah, in the real world, this guy would be seen as delusional. <laughs> and yeah. he, he would need meant professional help. Like, Yeah, absolutely. But it's because of us knowing as the audience. It's kind. Of, I feel like it's kind of Tim Allen's little wink and a nod to be like, yeah, isn't this guy... See, you're not supposed to like him. Yeah. Know, it's just like a vibe Tim Allen gives. Whenever Tim Allen gets to just be Tim Allen, I think oh, yeah. that's something that like I I've I've as I've grown up, I, I think I've like realized I don't like it that much. And I don't really Yeah. Well, I mean, as much as I'm saying that, there's a scene in this movie where he's delivering gifts to and to like a little girl. Yes. And she wakes up and he immediately is just like snapping at her like the entire way through. And that's unlikable. Like, yeah, that sort of humor, it's very dry, very, I don't want to say angry, but very much kind of just like fed up with the situation and taking it out on people around him. Which is not to say that I don't like uh, dry humor or characters oh, who are not. unlikable, but there's something uh, there's something about Tim Allen that feels like, as opposed to, say, someone like Larry David, who is, of, you know, often mm -hmm. very a disgruntled character uh, in his show, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, being mad at the world. Uh, is there something there's, there's some sort of again it goes back to that word earnest there's something earnest about the way Larry David does it and I'm just using him as a comparison because he's the first one that I thought of or, or even mm -hmm. if you compare it to characters from his show Seinfeld or even like It's Always Sunny where okay these people are awful but it kind of feels like there's a, a point being made with the with the jokes where it, with Tim Allen it kind of feels like oh he's just a guy who's making fun of things he doesn't like and there's not actually yeah. because there's a belief behind it it's just he doesn't like these things so he's going to make fun of it um so if it, it feels a bit more uh I don't know I want to say pay that must be a bit harsh yeah. but it, I mean I get what you're saying yeah. it's hard to put a label on exactly where it lies I guess it all just kind of comes down to his delivery of it you know mm -hmm. it just it's just slightly left of like where it would work for me so the calorie's a little bit off, but uh, it's kind of weird because obviously I'm re remembering certain bits as I'm watching them. So there's like a little bit of nostalgia here or there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, also when it comes down to the comedy, I think that there is a very clear line of delineation here between everything up to when he gets back home mm -hmm. after Christmas Eve and then the whole like transformation sequence because everything before that point is very, again, the same sort of delivery. It's a bit, like, angry, a bit petty, whatever word you want to use. But then as soon as that moment hits, it is... All the comedy is physical. All the comedy is visual. None mm -hmm. of it is really in the line delivery as much as it is just him doing something goofy. Yeah, yeah, and to play, you know, to be fair to it and play devil's advocate, I would say that the first chunk of the movie... If he's a bit unlikable, that's arguably a very intentional thing because the whole arc is that he's going, you know, he's going to be better by the end. He's going to have like mm -hmm. given into the magic of Christmas and all the rest of it, which is right. fine. But it is there's kind of like a weird irony to it that we're saying he's just being Tim Allen, and then the arc <laughs> of the film is that he learns not to be Tim Allen. <laughs> I mean, 
it's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, I guess actually to bring Bill Murray back into it, uh, I said that with Murray, Bill Murray, uh, <laughs> to bring Bill Murray back into it, if you look at Scrooge, he's obviously playing a very, like, he's playing Scrooge, right? He's literally mm-hmm. a dickhead yeah. <laughs> uh, to start off with. And I think Bill Murray has that thing where he can be a complete, like, sarcastic prick, but he's mm-hmm. never unlikable to watch. You know, oh yeah, and that goes for you know his character in Ghostbusters. I mean, it even goes back to what you said about how you know it not being his style of humor. Maybe that's what it was. But I could mm-hmm. see Bill Murray in this role because I could see him being that that asshole dad to to start with and growing yeah. more of a heart as the as the movie goes on. Uh, so I, I guess I'm just making a dig at Tim Allen here that he's just being himself, <laughs> and that's the the negative character. Yeah, I mean there is a little je ne sais quoi. There is a little something that you can't quite put your finger on that each actor does differently. Like, it would essentially just be the same character arc as Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. where, yeah. you know, he slowly learns the value of all of whatever, but... Of Groundhog Day. Yeah, but it is a it is a thing where there's something to Bill Murray's character, just as a person, that he brings to a role that Tim Allen has differently. Not worse, because it's just different. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of so yes. Yeah, so, like, I'm just trying to sum up how I feel about the movie. It, honestly, it's just mm-hmm. kind of conflicting, and I, I feel like my rating is going to fall somewhere in a sort of middling territory by the end, just because yeah, I, I am I'm conflicted uh, about everything. I feel like that feeling is going to go away because I imagine the sequel's declining quality. <laughs> but I mean, I won't say yes. But, but that's that's. <laughs> No but. <laughs> no but. You got a Just... week to wait. That's it. <laughs> I would say yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah. As, as far as anything else, you know, obviously, uh, the, there's not a lot of visual effects. There's a few dodgy mm-hmm. ones when the sleigh takes off, for example. Uh, yeah. Strangely, I feel like the sleigh was the worst visual effect out of them. Like, all it would take really is green screening, but I suppose they actually probably went and did CGI with it, didn't they? Yeah. They also did a bit of CGI. Uh, yeah, the other stuff all seems to work out well enough. Um, mm-hmm. I, I never felt like when, it, when, you know, when he's getting fat and stuff like that, it never feels like, oh, it's kind of fat. It oh, did a decent job. It looked good yeah. enough, you know. Uh, never really had a problem with any of that stuff. Uh, obviously, you've got some different Christmas songs in the soundtrack. Uh, not mm-hmm. all the hits, but some of the, the notable ones are, are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I, I you know the rest of the cast are all solid enough and g- give it a a nice enough quality, uh, I would say. But yeah. uh, I think the biggest thing about this is that uh, there's another version of this plot that I I remember liking more. I'm not going to put my my neck on the line and say it's definitely better, but okay. I will say when we aver- eventually do the Ernest franchise ah, ernest saves okay. christmas is all about is also about the transition from uh one santa to the new santa and i remember liking that a bit more as a kid fair enough <laughs> i'm just gonna say it's gonna put it out there and maybe it's because ernest as a character just lends himself to the the earnestness of christmas mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i personally i personally have only ever been exposed to uh I think the Halloween Ernest one. Scared Stupid. One. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's the only one I've ever seen. So. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, one day we'll go through all like eight yes. of those. <laughs> oh boy. There's something like that. So it's around eight, eight or nine. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll be a wild ride when we get there. But uh, 
Yeah, uh, so I guess we'll just give the spoiler warning so we can start talking about all the, yep. the, the bits and bobs of the film. Um, yep. Obviously, it's easy to tackle in sections because you have these kind of neat things. You've got basically everything before Santa's on the roof, which is the setup of the character and the family and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, and there's some proper world building here. Basically, the kid doesn't want to be with his dad. He's like, no, take me home, Mom. I don't want to be here. Yep. Uh, and... Tim Allen's late home because and he's lying about the traffic. He was at the Christmas party at, at work mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, oh, there's, there's like a three-car pillar. I mean, you just see the road and it's empty. Like, he's just... Yeah. Uh, he's just skirting on home. Uh, he burns the turkey because he, he tries to do Christmas dinner. Which, is this a... Th- do, do Americans have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve? Is this a normal thing? It's per family. I okay. mean, I personally... I have a dinner, but I it's not a full like turkey dinner. But yeah, the, the turkey dinner traditionally, at least my experience with everyone I know in the UK, is that it's a Christmas Day thing. It's not Christmas Eve you do that. Mm. But uh, I mean, I don't have that. I don't have turkey on Christmas. But maybe I'm the weird one. I mean, I, I haven't done it in a long time either. But like you know, it, yeah. but in a family scenario where you're doing the tradition, it would be Christmas Day mm. here, at least for anyone I've ever met here anyway. Yeah, I mean, going over to other movies, you got like, you know, A Christmas Story and stuff like that, where they, the dogs came in and took the Christmas turkey. So clearly it is a thing of some families do it. I think... Enough uh, to be a trope. Christmas Vacation, I'm pretty sure, is Christmas Eve as well. Mm. When they have their big dinner with the family. Yeah, so it's at least something to be a trope. Whether yeah. or not it's actually there. Yeah, that's just, just a thought. Uh, mm-hmm. There is actually a subtle joke here uh, that I kind of appreciated. So so he ruins dinner, so he, t- he takes uh, Charlie out looking for an open restaurant on Christmas Eve. And I was mm-hmm. actually really questioning what time it was supposed to be at this point, because he's coming home from work and there's like no traffic, which implies, oh, it's much later than rush hour. And then yeah. he spends hours burning a turkey, and then they go out looking for a restaurant. I'm like... Like, not only is it Christmas Eve, I feel like it has to be, like, midnight by now or something. You know, it's... It's got to be close. Yeah. Uh, but to find a, a Denny's this open, uh, mm-hmm. I've never had the pleasure. I don't... <laughs> That's the wrong word to associate with the Denny's. <laughs> well, they got some product placement. They got to be the this, uh, this, this safe haven on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. But the subtle joke that I did kind of like here, um, I almost, like, thought they went too far by, like, uh, having wave at one of the guys. But I like the subtle joke that every single person, other than like the Japanese like company that had like a business thing in the other room, when they gets mm-hmm. taken into the other area, which which is just the random customers, every single one is there is a, a single dad with their kids, and I I thought that was a nice right. little joke. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, this is all these dads that have either maybe tried or just like didn't even attempt Christmas dinner mm-hmm. and they've just brought their kids to daddy's. I, okay, that that's a nice little joke. Like, yeah. This movie has a lot of those tiny little things where you got to, like, think about it for just a second to be able to be like, oh, okay, I get it. I kind of wish there's parts later on, once he kills Santa, that uh, <laughs> they over-explain. Yeah. They sit there yeah. and they're just like, see, get it? We're being clever. And it's like, okay, yeah, just back it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's basically, he reads him a bedtime story and... Mm. Uh, but they hear noise on the roof and i do want to point out um there's a whole conversation at the beginning of neil basically told charlie how there is no santa Mm -hmm. and scott was just like uh why not let him enjoy being a kid for a little bit and 
then by the time that he's putting Charlie to bed, Charlie just straight up asks him, like, do you believe in Santa, Dad? And Scott's like, yes, go to bed now. And then that kind of gets undone over the course of the next couple scenes, but it, it always toes the line where Scott is trying to just allow his kid to have you know, magic in his childhood. It's it's a likable quality because obviously the, the, the arc part of this is that he's kind of constantly lying to him, even though he's doing mm-hmm. it for a reasonably good reason. Uh, yeah. But, you know, because when, when he's actually confronted with the reality of this being Santa, he doesn't believe it, obviously. And he's he's, yeah. he's constantly looking for the rational explanation. Um, there's a little plug for the Disney Channel. Uh, which I was noticed a, that too. Yeah. I was like, wow, which, okay. I have to imagine the Disney Channel was a relatively new thing in 1994, mm-hmm. so yeah. it felt like a little bit of a, hey, we'll promote our thing <laughs> in our movie. Um, in a year's time, this movie will premiere on the Disney Channel. Look forward to it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so I... I... It's, it's, I, I guess the whole thing where he's sort of fighting for his son to still believe in Santa, even though he's really cynical and... He works for a toy like I, I, you know, I almost like thought they were going to go into this a bit more. The idea that he works for a toy company who, yeah, actually is the commercial part of Christmas, and he's so that so it's kind of there where he's he's part of the corporate side of it, but it never mm. really does that much with it. In fact, the company is barely brought up. Like he has like yeah, one scene where he it, goes later, but that's about it. It feels like there is a different draft of the script floating around out there where this is a much bigger part and. By the time they did a couple of rewrites, it just got shrunk down to what it is now. Yeah. Because it is essentially the opening holiday party, the part where he comes in for, like, you know, show and tell, I guess you want to call it, whatever it is, and explains what his job is, and then the part where he is put on indefinite leave. And that's really all it has to do with it. Yeah. Because I could see, like, half the movie being about, like, well, how yeah. his work life is tanking because of what's happening to him and other people thinking he's crazy and, and so on, but it's barely there. It's such a small mm. fa- factor of it, which is funny. I mean, you... I, I do wonder if the runtime of this movie was trimmed down significantly at some point. Oh, like maybe. If it was, because it is just barely, it's an hour 37. Like, it's just barely over the limit. And I wonder if maybe there was a longer edition where, you know, he did fully quit his job at one point or stuff like that. I don't know. And not just because, like, I, I can see a lot of, like, potential gags of him being at work and all the different things that may mm-hmm. happen because of his transformation, but just th- for the arc of, like, going from the corporate side to the magical side of Christmas, where it's, you know, it's, it goes from this cynical thing to a genuine, heartfelt thing for mm-hmm. the character, and it's not really there, because they barely bring it up. <laughs> yeah, in fairness, the scene you're talking about is literally just, like, half of one scene where yep. someone else is making a pitch for the commercial toy, and he's like, no, we need something small that gets kids' imaginations running. Yeah, and yeah. like, uh, Mr. Calvin, the door is that way. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate to compare it to Scrooge again, but this is actually kind of... Uh, if you remember the opening of Bill Murray's Scrooge, it's, like, this commercial for their Christmas... Because like, he runs a TV network, right? Mm-hmm. He's, like, the head of a TV network. And it's this commercial for their Christmas, like, programming or whatever. And it's this thing with, like, a, a soldier and there's gunfire and it's, like, extreme Christmas. And it's, like, this super cynical, commercialized, uh, you know, violence, like, fueled thing. And the other characters are too scared to tell Bill Murray, isn't this a little bit, you know, against <laughs> the spirit of Christmas? I feel like this is kind of, like, a really 
pared down version of that where the guy is you know, it's a, it's as much as it's santa in a tank it's still a, like pretty cartoony looking and it's still yeah. just like a little we're just trying to sell a toy tank so we've got santa in the tank and right. tim allen's doing a no no you would never ride a tank you would take the sleigh uh it kind of feels like a a, a less interesting version of that scene in scrooge <laughs> yeah that's fair it is one thing with this movie uh when he starts going through the transformation of becoming santa he gets fatter he grows a beard his hair goes mm-hmm. white everything like that that's the that's the gist of it but then there's also the i guess you want to call it metaphysical things where like kids are just drawn to him <laughs> yes. and like giving up their wish lists and whatnot. And at one point, a whole bunch of reindeers just following them out of like a park. Uh, the one thing that I really wish would have been explored more, because again, it really only ever happens over the course of that one scene is like all of a sudden he's all in on sweets and he believes in like the magic of Christmas, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a flip where, like, I get what they're kind of going for, where he's challenged by something, and he immediately mm-hmm. wants to defend what Christmas is, and that's kind of yeah. like... But it's not like he even realizes in the moment he's defending it, and goes, oh, like, why do I care about this? Like, you know, like, yeah. a moment like that would have been good. Uh, yeah, he also orders, like, they're ordering lunch for this meeting, because they're just going to work through lunch, and he orders, like, three desserts and, like, a bunch mm-hmm. of extra food and stuff, and they're all looking at him like, uh, dude, like, you put on... Because this, this is him coming back after the Christmas break. Right. He's, he's maybe been away for two weeks or something and he's like gained this you know enormous amount of weight for that time period he has to wear like sweatpants sweatshirt yeah. in order to get in yeah because none of his clothes fit anymore and he, he comes mm-hmm. in and they're like shocked and it's not so much that they're being dicks because he's put on weight it's like it shouldn't physically be possible for you to put that much weight on in the amount of time it's been since we last saw you which right. is why they're all like just in like you know the their jaws are on the floor and they don't know what to say to him uh yeah it, it feels like yeah th- th- this is like really early on in the transformation once he's mm-hmm. like started going through that and it, yeah it feels like he's already kind of there th- which to the point where because when he first wakes up right because he goes to bed in the north pole after he spent his first night out for christmas eve and he wakes up in his own bed and he's got his pajamas on still and he doesn't think any of it's real but obviously charlie does charlie's like he was with him the whole time he's like we went to the north pole we did all this and he's telling his mom and his stepdad, and he's like, no, 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 it was just a dream. I must have told him about it. Um, right. I'd like, because of how much he's resisting this, it's kind of weird that the movie doesn't have more of like a, a transition or realization where he he goes from being adamant it didn't happen, where he then starts defending Christmas and all that stuff. And then he's pretty much like, you know, like when he talks to Charlie, when, he, you know, like the mom, like you need to talk to mm-hmm. him and tell him this stuff isn't real instead of telling him it's not really says oh no it's a secret we should keep it to ourselves because no one will understand <laughs> yeah i feel like it was trying to balance a thing of you know he doesn't want to like we said he wants to keep charlie's imagination and childlike wonder alive he doesn't want to just shut it down so him telling him none of that happened you're making it up it was all just a dream like that's going to shut that down immediately he wants to try to keep that and i also think it is half of he doesn't know how to explain it either yeah. Because every for the entire first part, when he's just waking up, he's like, that must have been a dream. But then it's like, okay, how did you get the pajamas? He's like, um, so it was a dream though, right? Like, he doesn't have any sort of good explanations as towards how anything happened. Yeah. So by the time it comes down to him explaining to his son, like, look, I can't tell you specifically, don't believe in it, but maybe just like, 
stop going so over the top with it. I think that what they're going for in that scene is that he is willing to tell him it's not real and he knows that's what he should do, but mm-hmm. he just gets the feeling that but it might be real. So, yeah, so exactly. I, I, I can't deny it. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I have to just sort of pivot and say, no, keep it a secret. Because this, this is like after he takes his dad to uh like you know, take your dad to school and like mm-hmm. th- you know, what does your dad do for work kind of day um which who's your daddy and what does he do who's your daddy and what does he do which is kind of weird that he's not but because this is before though because he doesn't go back to work until he's put on weight right right unless mm-hmm. that's not him coming back after the holidays and he's just like he's he was, just been off yeah or it's just like is this just after a weekend like he, he left on the friday in like february and he came back in the Monday, and oh shit, you've you've put on all this weight. Yeah, I mean it's possible. He did say he gained like forty five pounds in a week, so yeah, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of which you know he sees the doctor, and the doctor's just cracking all these jokes, and you know maybe cut down mm-hmm. on the sweets, things like that. Uh, yeah. And his heartbeat is beaten to the the chin jingle of bells. jingle bells. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, we kind of glossed. Actually, we, we kind of skipped ahead because we were talking about the transformation. We we kind of talk mm-hmm. about the actual first night the you know the the christmas oh, where, yeah. he, Fair enough. where he kills santa and uh, see that's the thing is that the transformation is such like i don't know i don't want to say majority of the movie but it's such the focus i feel like that mm. that first night honestly just kind of fell by the wayside by the time you get halfway into the movie yeah but i mean that i think he wakes up in his bed around the 35 minute mark so i mean you know you're you're you know it's, it's a good third of the movie is that yeah that 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 first chunk which is I guess it's more so that the first night doesn't feel plot relevant. Like, all mm. the only part that matters is the previous Santa died and he put on the suit. He could have immediately fallen asleep again at that point, and the rest of the plot could have continued on. Yeah, yeah. All, all they would really do is say, oh, the last Christmas, like, a lot of kids didn't get toys, so the stakes are really high this year to, you know, right. you know reignite the magic of Christmas. Instead, mm-hmm. it's more like the sack of toys and the reindeer just kind of force them into it by like yeah. dragging I feel them like into it's, the house. I feel like they're purposely, they knew that when they got to the second Christmas of like him actually, you know, the third act wrapping everything up, they didn't want to take the time to do the cute little explanations of like, oh, here's how Santa goes to kids who don't have chimneys. It's like, no, we got to do the first Christmas so that we can get all of our cute little explanations out of the way so that the second Christmas is freed up for the plot. Yeah, so we get, you know, like him being sucked down the chimney, it's sort of like a warping effect where he kind of just goes to the right size to fit in it. And if there's no chimney, he'll go into the just the the, the heat the pipe radiator. Yeah, yeah. and the, but the the radiator will turn into a fireplace magically before he lands, mm-hmm. so that he's got something to come out of. And yep. I just you know, and there's the magic bag which raises him up and down, like yes, physically lifts him in the air, and the bag I feel like specifically only gives him the toys that are meant for the yeah, children yeah. of the house he's in because it's empty after the first house then it refills for just the second house and so on and so mm-hmm. on so uh it's setting all this up um i actually kind of love though because later when uh, judge reinholds try to like talk charlie out of like believing all this shit and he's like sort of mm-hmm. doing all the logical things like oh so santa can never get all over the world in one night and the kid hits him with like i think there's something with the time continuum that kind of <laughs> <laughs> it gives him this really like complex like physics answer <laughs> i started yeah. laughing a little bit uh that was, that was a good and judge reinholds like uh I'm a psychiatrist. I can't. I can't argue with that. It's <laughs> not my field. I do. While we're on that scene, though, briefly, I do. It has my favorite line in the movie of, or explanation, I should say, of uh, Neil points out like, well, 
like, have you ever seen a reindeer fly? And Charlie just bites back with like, have you ever seen a million dollars? He's like, no. <laughs> like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And he just sits there like, damn, this kid's good. <laughs> just uh, that, that's that's the uh, that's the God defense. That's the just because you can't yeah. see something. It, you know, I, 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 I mean, to be fair, you is there really that much of a difference between Santa Claus and God in most things? No, actually, I, as an atheist, I think they're ex- equal. They're, I think they're exactly yeah. equal. <laughs> they're both omnipotent. They're both all-seeing, all-knowing. Well, not so much that. Both are I, judgmental. As an atheist, and I'm, I'm pointing that out just so, just to make it clear where I'm standing on this. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing more ridiculous to me about saying Santa Claus exists than saying God exists. They're equal. You. I, I will point out, you're definitely going to love the next movie, because, oh. uh, trying not to spoil too much, but uh, we get the whole mythological crew. Ah, okay, interesting. Uh, if one of them exists, all of them exist. So, you know, that, that, that for me lines up just nicely, I suppose. Uh, mm. But, you know, I, I did, yeah, I, I got a kick out of that response. But we, yeah. we see the North Pole... Uh, we see uh, like all the elves who are actually all kids. Well, I mean, not, mm. they say they're hundreds of years old, but they're, they're all kids. They're kid portrayed actors. by kids. Yes. Um, there's a weird. There's actually there's a couple of weird moments in here where, uh, like this was supposed to be funny, obviously, but where the I think it's Judy, who, which happens to be the same name as the waitress, so they can do a little I'm, thing. But yeah. Uh, so there's I know a exactly what here you're gonna say. Where she says, "Oh, I'm like fourteen hundred years old, or whatever the number is." And uh-huh. he just sort of like jokingly goes, "You look good for your age." And she goes, "Thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping." And I'm like, "What was this joke?" Yeah, I thought it's that... a little it's a little unsettling because they are definitely like nine year olds. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's nothing problematic with the reaction. Obviously, Tim Allen just sort of makes a face yeah. and is like, "Yeah, I wasn't what." <laughs> it just gets up, yeah. but he doesn't do anything. Yeah, but it just it's just like I don't know. It's a, I don't know if I like that joke. <laughs> Yeah, I think that it's probably one of those things that, like, I don't want to say with time, because that just puts early 1990s in a really weird light, but I think it is just one of those things that became less okay. I think, the, the, the thing is, though, is the joke is fairly innocent. Like, I'm not even want to critique it that much, because the joke yeah. is obviously her misunderstanding of what you just said, and it's supposed to be oh, funny, yeah. because you've got a kid assuming he was trying to hit on I her, but it's just, that- you know... All the elves are snarky as hell. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. every single one of them is just fully able to keep up with anything that Scott Calvin throws out at them. Yeah. It's just... It's one of those things where it, it just it just raises too many... The, the type of subject that's kind of broaching with the joke is just mm-hmm. something most of us don't want to hear about. Like, I can fully... <laughs> I'm, I fully expect somewhere on YouTube there's, like, a meme mashup where it's you know that scene happens and then that meme of like the fbi raiding the house yes yes is immediately afterwards that's the sort of thing where it's like you don't take it too seriously but yeah we all can like say mm, probably not okay yeah I'm, I'm glad that we don't need to do that joke any mm-hmm. anymore that's all i'll say yeah. uh but yeah so that stuck out to me but um yeah, so, I mean that's basically I mean, like there's obviously a lot of little jokes in this first like chunk mm. of the movie. You mentioned the you know when he's flying the reindeer and talks about the highway and whatever and yeah, just him being mean to the little girl. It's like go back to sleep, you're not getting any presents and things mm-hmm. like that. 
Uh, I will say that uh, when they're up at the North Poles, when we get the official explanation to the Santa Claus, which is yes. uh, when Santa fell off the roof, he had a business card on him that basically says, like, put on the suit and the reindeer will know how to handle the rest. Uh, but apparently on itty bitty tiny font all around the border of the card is the legally binding contract legalese of if you put on the suit and get in the sleigh, then you Which, become Santa. But my, my problem, well, not, this is not a critique of the movie per se, it's just a critique of like their, their uh, bullshit, <laughs> is that <laughs> the statement on the card was not a question. It wasn't like a... If you know, it wasn't like if you chose to put on the Santa. Like right. the, the big text said, put, as if it was an emergency, put on the Santa yeah. outfit, and the reindeer will take care of the rest. As if no, no, this is an emergency. Santa just died. You have to do this. And then the small. I mean, print, in fairness, it kind of is. Yeah, but... and then the small print is no. If you do this, that's you. You're locked in. You're Santa Claus now for until you die, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that the North Pole is under different legal jurisdictions than the rest of the world and they're able to just get away with this by ancient blood magic or something it's it's, it's a bit of a dick move for, for what's meant yeah. to be the happiest place on earth and all that shit it's a bit of a dick move i mean if you i don't know they don't they never go into like how this santa came to be or any previous santas or anything like that at least not yet i can't imagine that anybody actually then really chose to do it like, it always was a thing of they were just kind of put into the situation. Yeah. Unless a Santa died of old age, but... I was like, can I just say, uh, like, you see them making presents, and we see obviously some of the toys and stuff that Santa puts out under the tree. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is like a rights thing and <laughs> whatnot, but, like, whenever I watch a movie like this, I'm always like, the toys Santa brings are the, the shittiest, most generic... These are the generic yeah. cheap toys that your grandparents might get you on a whim, and you're like, oh, thanks. Like, mm-hmm. this generic truck. How great. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's not what I want as a kid. Like, Why? Well, I, I wanted Power Rangers, I wanted Turtles, I wanted Batman stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's also the Halloween costume issue, where, yes, yes. you know, every kid dresses up as whatever Pokemon or whatever, but you watch any movies, there's a witch, there's a pirate, there's a skeleton, and that is all you will get, good sir. <laughs> yeah, except for there's one licensed toy in this, I think. It's right at the very end when the when the, the ex-wife gets the thing she wants as a right. kid, and it's like yeah. an actual licensed board game or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, they paid for that one. <laughs> and the Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. Oh, is that a license thing? I've never heard of it. It belongs to Oscar Mayer wieners. Oh, I don't, I don't know who that is. You've never heard of Oscar Mayer wieners? No. Is that an... Okay. I, th- I thought that was a worldwide brand. That's my my bad. <laughs> That's a, my baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-E-Y-E-R. None of this. Are you having a stroke? What's happening? Okay, I guess so. I, I, ugh. I mean, okay, no, seriously, comments. Back me up on this, because I swear. <laughs> it says something that I recognize what a Denny's is, even though there's no Denny's, like, uh-huh. in the UK, but I've never heard of this stupid whistle thing, or this guy I... that it comes from, apparently. It's it's just a brand of bologna. Like it's a deli meat corporation. That's all. And they came out with good enough branding that you got a weenie whistle. I don't know what to say. What a deli? What, what deli meat? What the what? I don't know how to explain it Why any better. It, it's just something that exists. What? what that's like like uh like you know 
like Heinz suddenly saying, you know what, we're known for making ketchup and other sauces, maybe some soups and things like that. But, you know, I think, that, you know, we're just we're going to branch out. We're going to release a, a, a new mobile okay. phone. All right. I'm just I'm just going to throw this out here. And if you don't know it, then we can move on. OK. Do you know about the Wienermobile? We can move on. <laughs> I, I mean, there were stories about a guy who might take kids <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> Which is why I don't want to elaborate. This is... <laughs> All right, so what happens next in this movie? Uh... <laughs> um... So, all right, there's one point in this movie. So a lot of the... Uh... A lot of the transformation stuff has happened and we get to a soccer game and all the kids are now lining up to talk to Scott because he is effectively fully Santa now. He's, he's got the beard, he's got the hair, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's wearing, wearing a red, like a red tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Power Rangers and, logic, he has to wear his colors now all, all the time. Absolutely. Apparently, uh, another trivia I saw was that right up until the transformation happened, uh, he was always wearing black Converse, but then somewhere in the transformation he started wearing red converse ah. just to make that little change but yeah so anyway neil and laura come up and are just like oh dear lord we haven't seen you in like six months and you've gone full santa clearly you are damaging our child so they go and basically take away scott's custody rights over charlie yeah and also it's worth mentioning on this scene not only are random kids coming up to him and saying what they want for christmas they're sitting on his lap which mm. Also feels that some, if I was a parent and I looked over and my kid had wandered over and sat in some stranger's lap, regardless of whether or not he looks, at Sa- looks like Santa, if it's yeah. July, I'm like, Especially what, what, if it's what, July. Why, is there, why is there some random creep holding my child? I, I would be yep. distressed at this. Um, I think it, it feels weird to like critique uh, the logic in the movie because it's obviously just poking fun at itself all the time. Yeah. It's obviously not trying to be like realistic or anything like that. But... I will say the 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 level of acceleration to get to the point where they think oh Scott's having a mental breakdown and he's damaging the psychology of your child because he happens to have gained some weight and has a beard. Well, you know, it's a bit of a leap, yeah. You know, I mean, it was a thing where when they came back from the North Pole, apparently Charlie spent like a good couple weeks to a month, like just locked yeah. up in his room like portraying the night over and over again like he was acting like he was on a sleigh and whatnot i can understand their concern especially if they had just told him that santa wasn't real like this seems like an extreme whiplash back in the other direction but yeah it, to get to the point where it's like no you are feeding into our son's mental illness and you're you're making everything worse therefore you're not allowed to see your son again that does seem a little bit extreme especially because it seems like it happened all over the course of like a week where they came to that level of seeing him be santa to taking away the custody rights or at least starting that process yeah and honestly this all comes comes about because it's all the kid's fault because he wouldn't shut up about it and Mm -hmm. if if he if if tim allen just took him aside at the start and said hey don't tell anyone about this night Kind of thing. To be fair, he did. He did say it to him as they were walking through the park. They're like, "Let's just keep this a secret." Like, oh, but that, that was that, that was after the weeks of him in his room doing stuff. Oh yeah, though. but no. But then it came back during the custody hearing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the judge took Tar- Charlie aside and said, "Like, okay, is there anything you want to tell me?" And Charlie just said everything. He's just like, "Don't worry, Dad. I told him how you're Santa, and we went to the North Pole. And we're going to be going <laughs> back there soon." 
and then you just see on on Tim Allen's face to like, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you like seeing me all these years, uh, son, yeah. because you're not going to see me ever again now. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, he he you know he, he gets uh. There's actually a moment where I thought he was being a real creep because he, he he was sort of staring at the family through the window from the outside. Mm-hmm. But I was relieved when he rang the doorbell next. I thought, oh, he's actually coming here to see them. He's not just because I thought he just came to stare longly through the window. I thought, yes, yeah, same. There's a stalkery level material here i was like dude you don't you don't have the right to be here right now you can be arrested you yeah. need to leave uh one scene we did skip over is he gets delivered the naughty and the nice list i will say i did appreciate that there was a in the note with it it said check it twice i thought that was a cute joke yeah uh, i liked how it was all delivered by fedex yeah more or less but it was, it was like just like hundreds of red boxes because it's every child in the world's name yep. on a bunch of lists but then you see one of those mental changes again where he's just walking down the street and just by looking at a kid, he knows their name and he knows if they're naughty or yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, like, it's just like a superpower. Uh, and then he sees like a, a attractive woman wearing like, like a... like Veronica. Very, very nice. Yeah, it's a very small skirt. And she sort of hears it and just looks at him and goes, in your dreams, old man, and walks away. Or... In, in your dreams, sleigh boy. Sleigh boy. There you go. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, so it's just no much. It was a very short scene, but honestly, I felt that that did a lot to just be like, okay, no, here's here's how the power works, and then we're yeah. also going to play it for a good laugh. Like, it was one of the better that, jokes. I feel like it was like I think if if, if it's a problem the movie has, perhaps is the hmm. what what the good Christmas movies that balance this well do is that you have jokes that work in the earnest Christmas sense, and then you have jokes that are for the adults. And I feel hmm. like this movie, it like. The jokes for the adults, I would say, largely aren't that great because <laughs> it's just like kind of Tim Allen humor. And then the yeah. earnest jokes can work at times. You know, the, the you know, check the list twice thing I thought was a funny little Christmas joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that not either side is really exceptional. Um, so when there is a good joke like this one, which is the, you know, he kind of has an innocent little, oh, she's very nice, and then her kind of mm-hmm. catching him out on it. It's like, oh, okay, okay, that was an alright little joke. Um but I feel like there's maybe not enough of that for me to really, you know, get yeah. on board. I mean, for me, I think it was, like I said, I think it was just all front-loaded. I think that yeah. first act featured all of the Tim Allen humor, and then the second and third act were all the Disney humor. Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway, so he goes around to their house, and he's like, I just wanted to say goodbye to the kid. Uh, is that okay? And the, the ex-wife sort of nods, and Judge Reinhold's very upset about this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's uh, judging her for this decision uh but so they walk out and he's basically yeah yeah i'm going i'm going off to you know deliver the presents and stuff like i'm all in, i'm all in board now um, he was he was told back during the first night that he had to be reporting up to the north pole on thanksgiving which is tonight oh wait does that mean because so obviously the kid says please take me with you and he gives in and takes him with him and mm-hmm. obviously uh, like the kid doesn't come back until during Christmas yeah. Eve. Does that mean he's been kidnapped for over a yep. month? Over, over a month. They do, they don't do a good job of showing that in the movie. They, they but they, it is it is a full month that passes of him not being around. Do you know that actually does make it seem a lot worse that the kid's missing for? Because I thought it was like the next day when they got him back. Nope. They were having Thanksgiving dinner. He said, can I talk to the kid alone for a second? No, no, you're absolutely... They come back down and he's gone for a month. You're absolutely right. Earlier on, he said, you have to report at Thanksgiving. He did absolutely say that. I just I just kind of forgot it by the time we got to this part of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
okay. That's, I mean, I know it's his dad, obviously, but it, it, legally... Yeah. He's, it's he's, still an Amber Alert that's yeah. still going out. Yeah, uh, the kid's gone for a whole month. Actually, probably my biggest complaint, my biggest... Because obviously, I think some of my things I don't like, it, but this it's just... Ah, it's, it's a kid's movie, and it's not, it's, it's not trying to take itself mm. seriously, and the tone is ne- not necessarily working for me, and I won't really criticize it for that. It's just, you know, not my taste, whatever, fine. Right. Something I will criticize is the moment where, and I'm kind of skipping over some of the actual Christmas antics, which we'll, we'll talk about, but yeah. when they end up back at the house and Bernard, the, the head elf's there, and Judge Reinhold sees him and all that, um, and freaks out because he disappears and so on and so on. Um, mm. But this is this is the scene where first the ex-wife and then Judge Reinhold eventually uh, yeah. just kind of like go, wait, you are really Santa Claus. And what I didn't get about that is I thought they set up, earlier on, I thought they set up the presents they never got as kids, uh, mm. which made them stop believing in Santa. I thought they set that up because handing them those presents on Christmas Eve was going to be what makes them go, oh shit, you really are Santa. Yeah. Instead, they just kind of accept it. I mean, Judge Reinhold at least sees someone disappear magically, so at least he has he's seen something kind of supernatural to at least provoke the idea. But even before that, there's a moment where he looks at him and goes, like, but your eyes... Are you and then he sort of like goes no no judge no judge <laughs> like, yeah but the, the the ex-wife just like she sees him hugging or you know the, the the kid and just goes like oh my god you really are Santa and I'm like what yeah what gave you that what, what, why it's, do you believe this all of a sudden I have literally written down in my notes here it's, uh Laura and Neil suddenly get it for no reason yeah. like uh, there is absolutely nothing besides the fact that he loves his son. Like he, he, that is it. That is literally the only thing that I could think could trigger it at all. And that has no reason to be Santa. Obviously that's just Tim Allen being a good dad. But I, I fully agree if they they set up that present thing early enough on, and it's easily able to happen here where he just says like, before I go, here you go. And he passes over the gifts. Which he does anyway. He just does it after this moment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They save that moment for later. And I feel like the only reason that it was shifted for later is that they still wanted to have, like, a couple more scenes of Judge Reinhold, like, maybe not in on it Mm. completely until they finally got to that last moment. Because as soon as they get their gifts, we never see them again. They're, They're gone. They're out of the movie. It's not a whole lot of time. It's only maybe like five, ten minutes, but they are gone after that point. So, yeah, it's it's a very valid criticism. Yeah, that that, that just it really bugged me because everything else that I because I'm going to nitpick at a couple of things here, and they're not really mm. big deals. Like, so like before this scene, there's a whole thing where he's actually in the house delivering the presents, and he gets arrested because the cops are waiting for him, and mm. they they arrest him, they take him to you know to not prison take him to the police station right until lock yeah. up and mm-hmm. we get this whole like you know gimmicky joke thing set up where there's this like elite team of elves who f- have jetpacks who fly to break yeah. santa out and it just it feels like such a, D- a disney we want this little fun segment where charlie gets to team up with some elves who are really just other kids but they're all like badass and have jetpacks mm-hmm. and they make a cop spill his coffee because they're flying over his head and stuff right the fact that they specifically have one of them say like we're elves with attitude i'm yeah. like all right 90s you can stop whenever you feel like he says that he also says when he's on the roof because because charlie's left up in the roof when uh, tim allen gets arrested they arrive mm-hmm. on the roof and they sort of explain briefly what they're there but let's go save santa he says some i don't know what Char- charlie asked necessarily 
he just uh-huh. turns to him and goes, we've found that it's much quicker if you fly. And I'm like, what, what, what was that line? Yeah. Also, just plot hole wise, maybe not plot hole, but something that bothered me. Uh, so they know that Scott Calvin believes he is Santa. Mm hmm. And he is going through the whole rigmarole. Like, he is delivering presents in this house. He's he's doing the whole thing. And they don't think, hey, maybe we should check to see if he left the child on the roof. Because <laughs> he's, the, he like, A, the reindeer disappeared, which is a literal plot hole. Like, they're just gone. But B, like, you would think the police would think, oh, hey, we, we, we've got him. We have him now where's the kid at no point do they ever seem to care about like where's the kid right up until the moment where the kid shows up in the police station they're like oh hey it's you cool we were kind (laughs) of looking for you yeah and then they use tinsel to break him out of the the jail cell yes uh because it's they can cut through solid metal because lol whatever but anyway so the point i was getting at though that was uh uh, you know to bring all this stuff in is that Mm -hmm. so it's nighttime he started delivering presents to children who are asleep, and he's doing it in the U.S. He's not doing it in the other side of the planet because it's dark there first. He's doing it in the U.S. because he's he, he came to their house. He came to the ex-wife's yeah. house. Of course. He's arrested. He spends... Let's even be generous to say it's only half an hour. He spends half an hour in the jail cell. Then mm-hmm. the elves come, and they get him out. He goes back to the house. All that stuff. When he's been arrested, he comes mm-hmm. out... There's, like, parents and kids, like, standing watching saying, no, don't take Santa away. I'm like, why is there kids out in the street as if it's still, like, 8 p.m. when he's already going around delivering things? Time continual. <laughs> like, he literally went to the girl who he was been to before, and there's a little payoff mm. where she's replaced the milk with soy milk because he, he said he was lactose intolerant. Yes. And he's like, oh, that's kind of sweet, whatever. But then there's just these random kids out in the street, like, mm-hmm. when he's been arrested. And so, then again, at the end, when he comes out of the house to leave finally to go and deliver the rest of the presents, there's, again, there's, there's, there's people, there's, there's kids. Okay, like, for, for the second one, uh-huh. they, they had sirens blaring pulling up to this house. Sure. So I'm thinking that people were just like, what the hell's going on at the Calvin house? Um, as for the first one, I mean, there's nothing to say what time it actually was theoretically it should be like you know santa comes after all the kids are asleep so it should be after that but i'm gonna go ahead and just lay out that they're jewish and we can move (laughs) then why are they saying don't take santa away yeah santa's still cool nah they should be like nah screw him he's a he's he's the representation of the enemy (laughs) (laughs) they should be heckling him that's that's how the Jewish faith is represented by breaking down mall Santa displays. They should be uh, throwing uh, like cans of soup at his head and stuff. Like <laughs> that's the sequel. That's where it happens. <laughs> uh, nah, I just it just it doesn't really matter. But it just it was like mm-hmm. what time anything takes place in this last like fifteen minutes of the movie was just all over the place. Where this doesn't make any sense because it's see that's not even the part that bothered me the most is the fact that he was stuck in this place for like you know half an hour minimum. The part that really bothered me was the fact that, like, half an hour passes after he leaves, and Charlie, it's revealed that uh, he was given a snow globe way earlier in the movie, and that's, like, his proof. That's his thing that he keeps coming back to, of, like, no, this night actually happened. Uh, It turns out that if he shakes it, it basically gives a little notification to Santa saying that Charlie wants you to come back and visit. And so 
Not only was he already behind on time by half an hour, but then Charlie, before the night is over, shakes it again. And is like, I need to see you, Dad. So he then has to stop whatever he's doing. He says he was on his way to Cleveland, so he hasn't made a lot of distance here. <laughs> to then come back and visit as a kid again and be like, hey, kind of the one night a year I have to work. Could we maybe not shake it right now? Uh, it's only been 10 minutes. And then he's like, yeah. can I go, please? He's like, it's up to your mom. And the mom's like, all right, but not over any oceans. And mm-hmm. like, I get that it's, it's this heartfelt family film, but can I just say, now that I've realized that he was gone for a month, yeah. like, it doesn't matter what the reason was. It doesn't matter if they now know the Santa Claus thing is real. He still took mm-hmm. the child with no knowledge of where he went for a month. Yeah. The context isn't that important at this point. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, there's consequences to that. And at the very least, like, even if there's no legal consequences, mm-hmm. like, the mother should still be pissed. It doesn't matter if he's really Santa Claus. Okay, well, let me put this out for context. Okay. Magic and whimsy. <laughs> I hate it. Okay, fair enough. I hate magic. I hate whimsy. I could tell you don't even know about the Wienermobile. <laughs> that doesn't sound like whimsy. That sounds like uh, <laughs> to catch a predator. I mean, I'm sure at some point, but uh, mm. so, anyway, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want more to add to that. I, I just the whole like there, there's so many like things here that don't track. Like he should be in prison for kidnapping a child, and he technically was for a bit, and the elves break him out, and it's like yeah, no, they're like 100. percent They're currently right now on Disney Plus. They're doing um clauses, which is I guess how they're gonna wrap up Tim Allen's whole. He's going to pass Santa the torch to someone new. Right. He can't go back and be Scott Calvin again. Like, that man is wanted not only for child abduction, but for also breaking out of prison. Like, these are not crimes that just go away. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, you know? Uh, and, it like... He's almost caught a few. I mean, I assume he gets better at it, but that first night he does it, you know, the girl wakes up and sees him. The dog, mm-hmm. like, almost gets him. He sets off the alarm. Like, if anyone sees him and, like, recognizes him, like, he's also going to be wanted for breaking and entering. I mean, isn't that just the thing that, like, again, if you're trying to view this movie logically, like, so many people nowadays have, like, nests and, like, Alexis yeah. and whatnot. Like, surely that would just have to be something that gets covered of here's how santa manages to not get caught on our home surveillance network oh it would just be one line of dialogue it'd be like no he's kind of like he's physically there but as far as cameras and sensors go he's more like a ghost <laughs> it doesn't set anything off santa is a vampire yes is what you're saying kind okay. of Got yes that's, that's that's what i'm getting at uh yeah like lot like if you logically approach anything in this movie it not only falls apart but yes, he's actively doing criminal things, like kidnapping a child for a month, even though the kid wanted to go. I mean, the kid wasn't taken under duress, yeah. but mm-hmm. that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> I mean, if I went up to a kid and said, hey, want to go to Disney World, I'm still kidnapping the kid. Yes. Even, even if you if... never mistreat him, even if you treat him like a little prince the entire time, yeah. you still kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think this movie ever meant to be viewed logically. No, no. I mean, I they provided so. those little things of like, Oh, here's how Santa managed to do this. Not to give any sort of logical base to it, but just to be like, here's this quirky little reason we came up with. Here's like here's, the he, role of Santa 
itself, not not even like out of tradition, but the role of Santa itself craves milk and cookies. <laughs> yes. Like that's just the little things that they tossed in, not to give a logical reason as to like how this movie can function. It's just basically like, here's all the tropes you know about Santa. We're going to just kind of explain a couple of them. Yeah, I think, I, I, I guess, like, you know, some people might be thinking, well, we're being too nitpicky and talking about all these logical things and whatever. To me, that's mm-hmm. just the fun of talking about the movie for the most part. Oh, yeah. but for sure. I, I do, okay, I promised I would mention this bit. Sorry to interrupt. I had to mention this bit. Okay, okay. There was a point where, um, so I think Neil says, like, you know what? One day you're going to make a really good psychiatrist. And Charlie just looks up and he's like, nah, I think I'm going to go in the family business. Which immediately, both me and my girlfriend were like, I am going to kill my father and take his place (laughs) as head of this operation. I will sit on his throne in his blood. Actually, this has become a bit of a running segment. Uh, What does she think of the movie, actually, now that you've brought her up? She liked liked it a lot more than any of the Dirty Harry films. Uh, I mean, I, I would argue it's better than certainly the last three Dirty Harry movies, probably. Yeah, that's fair. Certainly, if it was aiming to be anyway, it's better than mm. those. But uh, no, Dirty, Dirty Harry won. No, come on, no, much better than this. <laughs> come on, no. Uh, no, what, what I was going to get to is that I, I think there's something to be said that there's other Christmas movies or movies that are, you know, more aimed at families or, or, or more, mm. you know, less serious that I don't really necessarily think about or care about the logical problems if you stop and think about it because I'm enjoying them more and I'm just wrapped up in what the, the story it's telling me is. I think there's something to be said here that I was thinking and focusing on a lot of these details as I was watching it because I wasn't that into it. So I was starting to like look at the other details and be like, ah, this doesn't quite work because of this and that doesn't work quite work because of that and so on. Yeah, if, if it's not hitting your threshold for disbelief, suspension of disbelief, then yeah, I, I can imagine those logical problems would be something that you focus on a lot more. So, yeah, yeah, fully reasonable. And not that they were upsetting me or, like, or anything like that. It was, it was just a case of, this is something to focus on because, you know, the plot's only engaging me so much. Like, I'm, you know, right. uh, it's only so entertaining. So now I'm looking for other things to, like, think about and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's something to be said for that, which is maybe just to say it is, it is a family film that is maybe just lacking that spark to be special or something more that can appeal to everyone and instead is just an okay family film, as opposed to going above and beyond where it becomes something like a... I don't know. I mean, the benchmark, at least stateside, I feel like, is Christmas Story, where yeah. it just taps into that nostalgia wave. Yeah, I feel like that that movie does a really good job, though. I mean, I've only seen it the once, because it so, it's not a big movie for kids here. It doesn't really play that much. Mm-hmm. I went out my way to see it, like, I don't know, five years ago or something. And... I think what that movie does really well is that it takes the thing that every kid actually feels at Christmas, which is the excitement over that present you want, and it mm-hmm. kind of makes the movie about that. So it's very relatable. Uh, something like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, it's about how family get together at Christmas and the awkwardness and all the weird bits and try to have the nice Christmas even though you don't like a lot of the people you're having to see. It, it ca- captures that right. part of Christmas. Um, Home Alone has this kind of fantasy element to it um, and kind of does like a kid diehard <laughs> sort of approach, which appeals to you know kids um but it makes specifically you uh but it, but it makes the kid kind of like like you want to root for him and he's outwitting the bad guys who are very good funny actors and it makes mm-hmm. them the villains um whereas here you've got this kid who is really earnest and really like childish and just you know believes in the things and he's really excited about christmas um 
and you've got the 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 adult having the heartwarming story um maybe, maybe it's just a taste thing but part of me i think the reason why home alone appeals to me way, way much more than this does is that it's the kid versus the bad adults <laughs> and there's something more i don't know to that for me i guess yeah i mean this movie didn't really have any conflict outside of tim allen's character accepting his role that was really the and even then we've said multiple times how that kind of just flipped like a switch that wasn't a slow gradual overcome yeah. that was a oh i'm santa now well that and the 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 threat of yeah. the, 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 the the custody and all that yeah but even then that was very much a third act thing that wasn't something that was established at the end of the first act as like oh here's the thing that he has to watch out for it's a very much a no in the third act he loses custody because we need to have santa be sad which is probably why the movie feels so segmented is that it doesn't really feel like it has one arc that goes the whole way through. It's more like, mm-hmm. you know, a series of different things that happen that just kind of sit together. Whereas, you know, I'm not saying Home Alone's high art, but if it's the one I'm going to compare it to is that the, the what I consider the probably the best kids Christmas movie is that that movie, you know, it does have this clear arc for, for Kevin where he doesn't want his family around he thinks he wishes them away he doesn't really obviously but he thinks that and then by yeah. the end he wants them back he realizes what living without them actually means and he's put in a position where he's at risk because he's not got them around on top of just the loneliness and ultimately because he makes some good choices it's actually like people don't tend to love home alone 2 as much mm. i actually think it's just as good as the first one and part of the reason why i like it so much is because at the end of the movie he makes the choice to like he doesn't have to actually take on marvin uh thingy again you know he he mm-hmm. he could just let that go and just stay away from them but he chooses to interact with them and sort of like sort of do his thing again he's like no i'm going to like trap them and stop them because they're stealing from a, a store that's going to give money to a children's hospital right for christmas mm-hmm. so he's making this choice out of a selfish reason to like he's, he's basically like, you know what i learned to be like you know this like kid superhero in the last movie i'm actually going to choose to be that for other people it does this selfless act and Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of a sweet uh, story and it's kind of sweet in the first one because he's he's defending his house because that's his family's house because that's you know this is his brother's room and his mother's and father's things and he wants to protect it because it means something to them to him because it's them there's kind Mm -hmm. of a nice heart to the story on top of the all the antics of oh he's going to set up traps that are kind of like cartoony and Oh, he's going to set someone to fire, lol. That's actually quite dangerous <laughs> if you did that in real life. You can sit and poke holes at a lot of the things in that if you want to, but I think the through line of the, what the story is is far more like concrete and solid in terms of yeah. what it's doing. The through line in this one is far closer to just keeping the wonder of childhood, like imagination, yeah. alive. But it is, it's an issue because the wonder of childhood and keeping that alive and whatnot, we've seen is the in the terms of this movie, the objective truth. Yeah. It's less so of keeping it alive as much as it is of just like, just not having them believe this lie that's been propagated throughout society, but it never explores it that way. It always explores it in terms of Santa isn't real, except for the fact that as an audience, we know he's real. It would almost be more interesting because, you know, at one point Bernard says, oh, adults can't believe, you know, they always grow out of believing in Santa at a certain point because adults can't, because mm. there's certain things that are like, there's uh, like, when you're younger, you can hear like higher pitch noises and there's like certain mm. like whistles and things that only people under 18 can hear. And yeah. it's not a hard cut off, you know, it's obviously maybe a few years of like a sort of crossover yeah. period, mm-hmm. but uh, 
because I, I remember kids using them in the school and the teacher couldn't hear them and like all the, the kids could. ringtone yeah. yeah but like it, it kind of explained like that and i almost think it'd be more interesting if like it was impossible to prove to the other adults obviously tim allen knows because he's now becoming santa so he has to know yeah. but all of the it's other adults magic. can never know so it would almost be more interesting for him to work around that like caveat but now i just you know they get convinced yeah again <laughs> i feel like there may have been a draft of the script somewhere that explored some of these a bit deeper mm. uh different aspects of the thing i think that obviously if they wanted it to be that you know how do we make it so that the parents don't press charges against scott by the end of the movie and the answer is they believe he's santa so clearly it's not a thing of adults can't believe it's just a thing of somehow they fool themselves into believing someone else is putting presents under the tree or they themselves are doing it again it's not something that's ever explored you're never supposed to think that deeply into it you're just supposed to take what's in front of you and say yep that's how the world works it's almost so. a shame because you, you could almost do like a slightly more grown-up version it's not like super adult but if, if the whole like gimmick of the movie is like okay we're going to actually try and make all of the christmas like mythology work and mm. try and explain it all and that's kind of the, the point is like how do you make it fit into the real world and the movie does that to a point but it doesn't kind of yeah i mean there's know, it, it then becomes the issue of like okay but then like at a certain point it stops being a movie with a through line and it just starts being a thesis statement oh sure yeah I, I, I could say like I, i'd have to sit down and actually like think of what the story would be for that but i, I do think mm. it would maybe be interesting because like some of the more interesting concepts like oh adults just can't believe in it right it just goes away over time like mm -hmm. that's a really interesting thing to explore and have to work around that in your story um as I, I suppose what would maybe be the ending would just be that scott just disappears and it's like a sort of mystery to every, all the adults i mean it's kind of been nowhere you went he's, he's become yeah. santa claus and he's in the north pole or whatever but mm -hmm not to the the adults of the world it's just like he disappeared but the kid secretly knows the kid still believes in his father and maybe there you could actually have a, a something of a, a decent dramatic subtext this idea that it could be a metaphor for when someone dies but the kid just believes in the spirit of their their lost loved one enough that they kind of keep it alive and yeah uh, you know like, but all the adults let them go like you could actually do something with that that subtext and sort of mm -hmm. make it about something because I, I don't know if this is you know this i don't even know if this has subtext to be honest Oh, well, that's does. what I'm saying, is that, it, that you aren't supposed to analyze this movie any deeper than what is directly presented to you. Yes. Anything that they want you to think about, they point out. They're like, hey, we want you to think about how does he get into houses without chimneys. But they don't want you to think about stuff like, okay, well, how does he get into houses without radiators? Like, they only show you as deep as they want you to think the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, which is why I brought up Home Alone because well, it's not a super deep movie by any means there is a little bit of like craft to the script in that mm. okay this, this is the heart of why he's defending the house it's not just about defending himself it's, it's you know the house is like his, his family's house you know there's like a right. it fits mm -hmm. into the theme of the movie and it's not like a super in-depth theme it's not you know it's, 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 we're not talking about a Stanley Kubrick movie here but <laughs> it's it's got a little bit of something in the craft of the script just to give it a little bit of structure and momentum and like you know situational context and motivation for the characters that goes beyond just the basic thing is happening x character has to react to thing happening right yeah you know? mm -hmm. it goes just a little bit beyond that and just makes it a bit more filler as a result whereas here you know um 
I, I, I find it to be just a little more shallow, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, which probably wouldn't matter that much if I like Tim Allen's, like, you know, delivery of comedy a bit more. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Is there anything else you would like to I mean, talk about? Yeah. I, I mean, anything else I really have to say goes into the final thoughts and the scoring and whatnot. I do just want to add on that while I think this movie is i don't want to say dated because it's not it's it's a it doesn't do anything that's particularly like this could only exist in the 90s sort Mm -hmm. of thing there is just a certain tone to it a certain something that sets this like we said we we felt like it was late 90s it ended up being more mid early 90s but it is something that you just feel it's around that period. Maybe it's because yeah. we know the actors, we know their ages, we know when they were at their most popular. But it isn't something like, for instance, A Christmas Story, where it is truly evergreen. Like, yes, it was set in the 50s, filmed in, like, the 80s, but, like, that movie is just an eternal that, piece, you th- know? Yeah, but that kind of is what makes it... The fact that it was a period piece when it came out does mm-hmm. make it kind of timeless because it's like oh no this was always a look back at the past so and that's always going to be true like it's never going to not be an accurate feeling to what the movie is it's the same sure. way with um it's funny i just mentioned kubrick but uh 2001 has a lot of classical music in it and mm-hmm. despite the fact that we've long passed 2001 a year <laughs> right we are long past what? that date all right um and we, we don't have the space travel of that movie prophesied and some of the technology in the movie looks very dated because it's, you know, classic buttons and things like that. Mm-hmm. It oddly still feels kind of timeless. And part of that is because the music it was using was already so old that it just kind of feels like, oh, that, that, that just makes it feel like it was already like this timeless thing. Uh, right. So the same, same thing here with like setting Christmas story in the past. I think this movie looks like a 90s movie. You know, it has that mm-hmm. kind of look and feel to it. Um, obviously, like, there's certain technology things that you always kind of notice. Uh, the one thing I noticed early on is that Tim Allen has a car phone, uh, and I thought, "Oh, that's right." And I was, I was thinking, "Is oh, it's kind of funny how these days you would just, you know, you just pull out his, you know, his, his iPhone or whatever <laughs> and yeah, have no, this no. call." But uh, it just, it, you know, because it feels like smartphones are a thing that like are, are relatively recent, but they feel like they're here to stay, and they've not really changed mm-hmm. in design much in the last decade. They still look kind of similar, you know, they're just a, a rectangle yeah. and whatever. Uh, like, like you have the car phone era but then like even splitting it up past that like once cell phones started coming out you can pin down exactly where yeah. someone's pulling out like the flip phone or the slide phone oh, the, it's just, only once we get to the brick that yeah. it's like okay now we know where we're at yeah and also the little nokia phone there's a mm-hmm. end of the 90s start of the 2000s period i can just like it's like i feel like because we've kind of settled on a design now that seems to be sticking for a good amount of time there is mm-hmm. anything from like the early 90s or the late 80s maybe even to like about 2010 you can sort of pinpoint within a few years based on the type yeah. of phone they've got <laughs> like and i mean that is are. that is just the risk it runs into like if you're going to use like if you got to 2010 and you started using iPhones in your productions you're just running that risk that another design's oh, going to come sure. along and replace it they tend they were like car phones they're here to stay and then whoops they weren't yeah, this isn't a critique. It's just an observation that's yeah. uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, I thought about it a little bit as he had it because uh, I was like, I- I'm sure at the time, because you know, car phones existed, but I don't think most people had them. This was like, a, no. you know, only certain types of people did. Whereas, so I'm sure it was like, 
oh fancy you know rich middle, you know, upper middle class dudes got a car phone like that may have been right. the attitude of people seeing the movie not the kids obviously but the adults maybe thought that mm-hmm. but nowadays you know now no, like, like, and so just imagine the future of 2022 where everyone's <laughs> got a phone in their pocket and we can record video on it and all these other crazy things wow i know we're in the future david it's exciting <laughs> I wish I brought the lotto numbers with me. <laughs> oh dear. No. Um I think I think it's especially notable for like this time period because we were kids at this time period, you know. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely like I mean I was literally born the year before this movie came out. So it is definitely a thing of like I I maybe can't you were probably the exact same age as um the young child actor, weren't you? No, I was five. Uh, he's a bit yeah. older than that, is he not? Hey, he's close. He's around that. I'm not going to say exactly, but... I'll look up the actor and tell you what age he was at the time. Um, But yeah, no, it it is... There is definitely a... Because, you know, people who grew up in the 50s are nostalgic to the 50s, 60s, 60s. For us, there's that early to mid-90s period that just kind of is just like, oh, yeah. Uh, He was eight when the movie came out. Okay. He... uh, I feel like that was written for a slightly younger kid then. It was... He was acting younger, but that's not... That's not irregular yeah. for a movie fair enough just to, just so that they're easy to control <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more than anything else um yeah because i feel like once you go back into the 80s because i was born in 89 so once you go back at the 80s it feels like oh anything before i was born feels like just pre-birth so it feels older and just and not yeah. in a bad way like i, I love the 80s I'm a decade for movies but mm-hmm. um but once you start into the era of when i was alive and i vaguely remember things I feel the difference in everything from oh, yeah, then, you know. Sure. So I, I notice it especially in a movie like this, where I'm like, okay, I, I like I remember vaguely this time period. So it's just kind of wild how much things have changed in my lifespan. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, oh, that's not really about the movie per se. It's just a, a passing yeah, just thought. Wild ramblings here that we have. So yes, I guess we shall rate the uh, the movie then. What, what you got, All David? Right. Okay, so out of 10, just judging the movie on its own merits, I really struggle between a 6.5 and a 7. I'm definitely in there. And I think I came into this review more at a 7, just because it was, you know, it's it's such a genuine sort of feeling that you're left with in the end. It's not a manufactured like oh this is you know the spirit of christmas is actually family as we've shown you through these focus tested scenes it's like no it's it felt like a genuine sort of bond between him and his son a genuine feeling of wanting to keep the magic of childhood alive i think it did well on that but i mean over the course of it you remember more of like the first act you remember more of how that kind of faltered in the humor and didn't quite there was no real through line to it. It was just kind of a wishy-washy, like, all right, we're going to have this one part followed by this next part followed by this next part. And with all that in mind, I think I am going to bring it down to the 6.5, where I do still really play, praise it for its genuineness. Um, it may not be an all-timer when it comes to Christmas movies. It's not going to be on everybody's must-watch list, but it is definitely something that there's a reason that it got two sequels there's a reason that it has a series following up after it besides the merciless exploitation of hollywood uh 
intellectual properties, but Disney especially. Yes, fun. Disney doubly so. Uh, but yeah, it is there. There is something to it that does just feel like a good time, and so taking apart all the other minor flaws it has down to a six point five, I think is very. It's like I said, it's right on that border. It's almost at a seven. Okay, I like. I can't really fault what you're saying so much, other than just I don't necessarily feel the feeling as much, and it just feels a bit lesser to me than um, other Christmas movies that I like more. And I don't know if you know, part of that's the Tim Allen effect, part of that's the maybe the the whole like the father try to keep the magic of Christmas alive in his child. Like I kind of like that idea as like the backbone of what the story is. I just don't mm-hmm. know if I necessarily feel it, and I think it goes back to something you said earlier where the truth of Christmas all being real is just objectively a fact. And I think that almost like hurts any kind of like sweetness the message can have. Whereas if it was still up in the air or if it was like, no, by the end of the movie, the kid in some level has to accept that it's not real, but he can choose to have the magic anyway or something, you know, something like that. I could have maybe, I I guess I, I wanted, or I would want something just a little more poignant out of it, which obviously is not really what they're going for, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It just doesn't quite click the same level for me. That said, though, I, I don't think it's, like, like you know, particularly badly made. I do think there's some fun moments here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm not going to go too much lower. I'm going to give it a straight six, which is just kind of a... Yeah, it's over the line. I don't think it's, like, a must-Christmas watch by any means, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't necessarily sit and just shit on it. I think if you want to get into it, it's an easy enough watch, and there's the odd smart little joke here or there. But uh, you know, I'll I'll be the weirdo that uh, I'll say if it's between this and Jingle all the way from a couple of years later, I'll take Jingle <laughs> all the way every time. Fair enough. Very different movies, but fair very enough. different. I mean, I was an Arnold fan growing up, which obviously helps that. But oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Again, Joe, you know, you know I think it is. I think because Christmas is actually a very commercial thing, I think I appreciate when a movie kind of. Like, like, like a Christmas story, it's about the kid wanting the present. So the magic's mm-hmm. there, but in reality, he wants a present that the parents have to buy for right. him, right? And Jingle All The mm-hmm. Way, it's like, yeah, like the kid wants this present, and the but the joke is, is that it's hard to get because it's a wanty toy. So the, the movie premise is Arnold running around trying to get it, and there's comedy ensues. And obviously, right. it's not a great movie by any means, but I, I have a lot of nostalgia <laughs> for it, right? That's fair. But I think... I think what appeals to me about that is that there's some realism in it because it's like, no, it is about a toy. It's about a kid wanting a toy and that's what Christmas is to a lot of kids. Yeah. So no, it kind of, I don't know. It's that part that really hits. Yeah. It really, I relate more a bit to it, I guess, than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Whereas the, whereas the belief in Santa, I never, I never felt sad when I stopped believing in Santa. You know, it was, it was like, ah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that it's, unless it's like exposed to you before you're ready when you just kind of grow out of it you just grow out of it it just happens yeah. you don't even notice it happening yeah i can't even tell you what age i was but it, like I, I just it wasn't a big deal so uh, nah. and but certainly i watched this movie when i was probably like seven or something like that six or seven yeah i guess so. i guess what it was for me is that um i i remember very explicitly one year i had already stopped believing in santa i was at that age it just gradually happened but um my sister she was still or no sorry it was my brother uh he was young enough that he was still in that kind of age i didn't know for sure if he believed but he was still in that age and he was looking for 
something. I can't even remember what around Christmas time. And I, I knew that whatever it was, was in our parents' closet. So me and him went over to the closet, opened it up and inside were a bunch of presents. And immediately I like shielded his eyes and like <laughs> shuffled him out of the room because if any of that stuff were to come from Santa, I didn't want that to be the thing that ruined it, you know? Mm. What a wonderful sibling you are, David. I am. Part, part of me thought that was building up to your story where you intentionally, like, revealed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be a dick. <laughs> you see that? You see that over there? Really notice that action figure. That's coming from Santa. And yet it's already here. <laughs> a lot of air quotes in the, uh, the David household that, that year yeah. <laughs> towards Christmas. <laughs> Santa. I mean, it also it also didn't help that like, and I again once I know once I knew Santa wasn't a thing, I was like, you know, Santa's handwriting looks a lot like my mom's. It's kind of weird. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, a decent Christmas movie, but um, I don't think it's one that even as a kid, I don't think I liked it anywhere near as much as like uh, uh, like the handful that I loved watching every yeah. year yeah so. and i also i i also think that it is a thing of what you grow up on like christmas is a very nostalgic time period mm -hmm. it is very much like the things you grow up on are the things you're going to continue i think that people who grew up on this movie probably have a much higher opinion of it than people like you and me who only saw it like once or twice or not even at all yeah i did see it a few times so i mean like I could have had nostalgia for this, but it just it just didn't click with me. I don't think as much yeah, as other movies. So, yeah, it is what it is, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we'll see how the sequels fare. Which uh, yep. you know, gotta get our secondary rating still. We do, yes. Uh, so this is the one where we have to agree on uh, a rating by the end. Uh, yes. So, does it make the cut, David? So, in terms of if I was collecting the santa claus movies do i think the first santa claus would be in there and i mean yeah i gotta say it pretty easily makes the cut i think that it's worth having in the collection of i don't want to say i think that it is worth having for just in a general christmas collection as well in a general movie collection probably not but mm. in a christmas collection yes in a uh specifically like this trilogy of films, I can't see any reason why this wouldn't be a part of it. So yeah, I gotta say, first one makes the cut. Yeah, I think when it, when it comes to the first movies, I think you're less thinking about it in the context of the franchise itself, just because well, it's the first one. Like mm -hmm. it almost is an irrelevant question for that, but it, like, just is it worth having on its own? Mm -hmm. Um, I like that well, logic it, though of like just in general or just as part of like a Christmas set of films because because yeah. that's the thing is the holiday films are so like you're not going to get high art from a holiday film 95% of the time so it's hard to say in a general collection is it worth having but Christmas wise I do think so yeah I think I'm a bit more to cutting it close in terms of value uh, I'm willing to concede and just say it makes the cut though okay. for, for the yeah. joint rating it's. I actually do wonder if, like, because of the 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 focus of this about being keeping the magic alive for the kid, I do wonder if the movie actually works better for parents than non-parents, or or even kids for that matter. Possibly, because that's a desire that parents usually have for their kids. So maybe they relate to that part of the movie a lot more than anyone yeah. else does. I don't know. 
Maybe uh, I have a secret kid out there somewhere that I don't know about, and this is just my instincts taking over. I don't uh, think so, though. <laughs> I, 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 I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, so, oh yeah. So we'll we'll say making the cut, but uh, okay. you know, I I wouldn't. You know, it's just not. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's there. It's, it's there. on. It's on the border. It's not high art, yeah. but it is still worth having around. All right. Well, we'll see how uh, the search for Missy's claws goes. Yes. In part two. Uh, next time. But uh, yeah, uh, it's also worth mentioning uh, the bonus episode on Patreon uh, this month. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure when it's going up at the time of recording, but it will be the other Tim Allen Christmas movie, which is Christmas with the Cranks. So look forward to that, patrons. Oh boy, uh, that's uh, that's one of those movies where we're just going to be watching a terrible movie and then ripping it to shreds uh, in the review. So if that sounds oh, like fun, then I'm sure that we can find a little bit of Christmas joy in it. The tiniest iota. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I wanted to like it because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, but I just, you know, and Dan Aykroyd's in it even as well, if I remember yeah. right. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But that's that's the Patreon exclusive. You can get that, of course, by supporting us over at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. That's a bonus episode every month. Um, and you also get bonuses for the other shows that you get in Mailfuzz movies, such as a bonus streams after midnight, a bonus atomic cinema, cinema experiment episode. Uh, those are our horror and sci-fi movie podcasts, uh, respectively. So uh, if you want to support all the content, you can go over there and do that. That's the best way of doing it and getting some extras. If you want to do a one-time kind of sort of tip, you can do that on YouTube with the super thanks button. And of course, you can support us for completely free by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications, uh, sharing us out on social media. We're at Streams Midnight on Twitter, which is our, our general Twitter for all Mail Fuzz movies. So uh, make sure you go and uh, do all those things. And of course, you can rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, with a nice five-star review or whatever the scale is uh, on your service. Mm. Uh, but all of those things do help us out a lot. So please uh, please do them. Uh, yep. In the we'll... spirit of Christmas. Yes, in the spirit of Christmas. And we'll see you next time for Santa Claus 2. And don't, you know, don't think too hard. Why is there no Christmas tree behind Peter right now? And why is there a Christmas tree behind Peter in the next batch of movies? Don't worry about it. Just no. roll with it. Time continuum. <laughs> Time continuum, yes. Uh, timey wimey, uh, you know, rubber banding, black holes, all yep. that stuff. Uh, just, <laughs> just uh, go with it. But there you go. Uh, that is the Santa Claus uh, episode of the Collector's Cut. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. And do I have a nice jolly outro for this episode? I I doubt it. <laughs> I just, you know, um. Uh, uh, did, 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 did Judge Reinhold was in Gremlins? That's another Christmassy movie. Uh, is that an outro? That's not an <laughs> outro. I don't know. I wanted to make a pun with his name being Judge. Uh, okay, I could yes. I could see that. We, yes. Hopefully, you enjoyed the review where we Judge Reinholded this film. <laughs> Merry <No>? Christmas. <laughs>